tell you what, I keep wishing I could use ChatGPT today as a medical service. <laughs> oh, okay. As a medical service. I was like, what, to record a podcast? Uh... <laughs> Yeah. But we asked you yesterday uh, if you would use ChatGPT for medical advice. Chucked a poll on the old Instagram and 62% of you said, well, 62% who responded, of course, technically correct, said, yep, give it a go. 38% uh-huh. though said no, they wouldn't. I mean, eh. would you? Yeah, I said I would. But in what context though? Well, I agree with Lewis, messaged in, and I agree with him. And as I said yesterday, it'd just be faster. It speeds everything up. Yeah. And then Megan replied and said, sounds better than a WebMD deep dive, which is also something we flagged, I believe. Um, We heard someone else, uh, this is Kath, said it would be less embarrassing. I feel just like for for just bits and bobs, for little queries. Yeah, sure. 100%. Ah, see, I don't know. I'm all for it. I'm a human. That's what I want. Anything that speeds up my day. Well, interesting stuff. I guess we'll see. We'll see what happens in that sphere uh, of the world. And we'll see what happens in the rest of this episode of Newsable, which this is. I'm Emil. And I'm Imogen. And this is what's worth talking about. What happens when you put a smorgasbord of road cones in the middle of our greatest student city? For reference, that's Dunedin. I'm sure Palmerston North had something to say about that. But shenanigans, that's what you get. Also, a breakthrough in the world of battery technology. But is it enough to send us into the great blue yonder? What exactly does an economist look at to gauge the economy? And how lipsticks could play a role? And it's Met Gala Day. But why are people boycotting over this year's theme? We've got all of that coming up in a moment here on Newsable. Newsable takes time and resources to produce. Please support our mahi and visit stuff.co.nz slash support. Imogen, I am going to interrogate you about your criminal past now. Are you ready? Oh gosh, okay. You didn't warn me about this. Didn't expect that when you came into work this morning, did you? No. Um, have you ever stolen anything that you're willing to admit to on a nationally broadcast podcast? Uh, grapes from... The grape bags at the supermarket. Sometimes, I, when I was little, I used to just sneak a little cheeky grape. Is that a? Is that all that you're gonna? Yeah, I'm not a thief. Well, I technically I am. I, I stole grapes, but yeah, that's it. That's really sampling, though, isn't it? Yeah, you sampling know? the goods. Never bought a bag. Like I said, I was a child. So not no road cones. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> Now that you brought that up. Um, <laughs> yep, I definitely, I don't actually remember when I stole it or when I took it or why I took it. I just remember a friend of mine had one at their house. Mm-hmm. I think they had older siblings and I was jealous. So then one day I saw a road cone and I took it home and we had it in our, like on our back garden just sitting for years. I think that's quite common that people who steal road cones don't quite remember how or why they managed to procure those road cones. Mm. But it is, of course, a pastime that's old as time, particularly in student cities. And indeed, our finest student city, by a long way, Dunedin, is uh, grappling with this very issue now. It's costing the city council tens of thousands of dollars each year. The student magazine down there, Critic, has actually been reporting on this um, through journalist Nina Brown. And Nina is here to explain. Hey there. Hi, how's it going? 
Very well, thanks. Now, before we talk about the cones, why are there actually so many cones in central Dunedin at the moment? What is happening in central Dunedin? The Dunedin City Council at the moment is doing a lot of construction on the main street, George Street, and like adjacent streets for what they're calling like the totally gorgeous retail revamp. But it means there's a lot of road cones right in the centre of town where... Um, Drunk people tend to be going through after a weekend on the piss. Yes, on the warpath. Yes, right, yeah. on, right on the way to the octagon. Right, like I can see it in my mind's eye, and that is a disastrous kind of setup. There is temptation, isn't there? There is temptation. Yeah, I don't know if you guys have been students before and um, have come across this temptation yourself, but they are very um, conveniently funnel shaped. <laughs> <laughs> and um, Nina. Have you ever felt this temptation? I have. I have. <gasps> you have stolen a road cone. Well, actually, we had an issue with it in my flat last year where a couple of my flatmates, they kept on having to replace the cones in our backyard because we would steal the cones and then other people would come to our flat for a party. And steal the stolen And cone. then, yeah, it's a cycle. Sisterhood of the Travelling Cone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, literally. It's beautiful. It's a beautiful thing. Like, because, I, I mean, I was going to ask you, Nina, what it is about cones that seems so beguiling and irresistible to uh, an inebriated student. The guy who I spoke to at DCC, he did offer that, like, if people wanted something to bring back to their flat, they did have some other collateral, like T-shirts or road signs, <laughs> to give to students. And I didn't really have the heart to tell him that, like, no one was going to go for that because that's that's not the point. <laughs> it's the thrill of stealing the cone, you know? <laughs> What are they? So DCC's the Dunedin City Council. So what yeah. are they suggesting? They'll stand out on a Saturday night with T-shirts and road signs to hand out instead. <laughs> oh, we've got a labour shortage nationwide. I don't think the council's going to be able to employ people to do that. <laughs> How are the Dunedin City Council approaching this? Glenn said that they're planning a social media campaign in the next month or so, I think, that was going to be something to do with... Um, cartoon character cones like talking to each other talking about their mate who got kidnapped and <laughs> so in some kind of please stop stealing us way i'm i'm not too sure how successful they're going to be with that but it's it's nice to see that they're taking like a light-hearted tack <laughs> um grand lovely stuff Nina brown keep us posted on any developments in this saga we'll be very enthusiastic to to hear anything that happens and thank you very much for joining us today it's been a joy thank you so much for having me seeing as we're sharing road cone theft stories what stories have you got our wonderful newsable listeners get in touch Get in touch on instagram let us know if you've stolen a road cone what you did with it where you took it from Tell us your yarns. Email us as well, newsable at stuff.co.nz. Send us your photos. Send us a photo. If you've gotten up to some mischief, that would be good. I once stole a road code and then wore it as a hat to a Wizard of Oz party. Was it really heavy? Yes, I did not wear it for long. <laughs> Emil. Imogen. Fancy flying in a battery-operated plane? Yes, it would be like my childhood dreams manifested in real life. But that's that's miles off, though, Imogen, isn't it? It's science fiction. It's a thousand years into the future. Well, the world's largest battery maker has announced a pretty big breakthrough, claiming to have made what could be the world's most powerful battery. And in my mind, this means tomorrow, 
We're talking electric planes. We're talking flying battery-powered planes. I guess the question remains, though, how heavy is this going to be? Don't and, ask that uh, question. No, no. We're going no. to be flying battery-powered planes tomorrow. Yes, that's brought us, pun alert, right back down to earth. <laughs> um, to answer a few of our burning questions here, though, we are joined now by Richard Briggs from the Energy Efficiency and Conservation Authority, also known as ECCA, or ECA. ECA! Nice. All right, Richard, tell me about this new battery. Is this actually a game changer? Look, battery technology is evolving all of the time. And I think the exciting thing is that a development like this is demonstrating that it's moving into production. And we need this to move as fast as we possibly can. Look, the announcement is CATL have said that uh, we've got a battery now that is capable of energy density of 500 watt hours a kilogram. Now, now, to most of your listeners, that's just a number. To put that into perspective, a typical car is around 150 to 200 watt hours a kilogram. Class leading vehicles like the Tesla Model 3 is up around 250, and that's about as big as they that they get. So this is double that again. So more energy storage is always going to be better. You can eat, now make the vehicles go further. Mm. Going further is really important for, for, for passenger cars. People have gone to hybrids because of range anxiety. It's not going to do what I want it to do, and I'm scared of it running out of energy. Mm. And you can imagine that now in an ambulance setting or a fire engine setting where they really have range anxiety. What this technology means now that those vehicles can have twice the distance or, or, or much greater distance for the same weight of battery which enables them to have a much more a bigger buffer and a much more security enable them to do what it is they want to do. So what does all this mean for aviation? Yeah, for aeroplanes, the, the takeoff weight is critical. Um, you know, the whole point of aviation and, and for a plane to fly, mm. uh, the, the, the plane can only weigh so much. So, you know, they can either take all the passengers and goods out and put batteries in and fly the plane, which really isn't very practical. Uh, so denser batteries enable the plane to carry more passengers, more cargo, or travel further. And that's the choice that you've, you've, you've now got, which is you know, potentially quite exciting. But I think from an aviation point of view, we're probably still four or five years away from, from electric planes in e-volume. Yeah, I think realistically, 2025, 2026, you'll start seeing short-haul aviation. So you've you've shattered my hopes and dreams of flying in an electric plane tomorrow, but then you've given me hope because you've said it's it could still only be a few years away. Thank you. Definitely. And I think that that's where we're going to end up is short-haul aviation will be electric, almost certainly. <sighs> Yeah, book, book your ticket for 2026 and I think you'll be on one. <laughs> Richard Briggs, thank you so much for your time and I'll catch you on a, on a battery-powered plane in 2026. I look forward to sharing a biscuit with you. We're going to do something different today. We're going to go behind the curtain with Mike Jones from BNZ for The Pulse. Mike's BNZ's chief economist. And today we want to know how he goes about being a chief economist. So good day, Mike. Hi, guys. Mike, what are the indicators you're looking at every day to gauge the state of the economy? Well, I guess they fall into kind of two brackets. Uh, on the one hand, you've got kind of the hard data, the information about what people are actually doing, things like spending or businesses' output, hiring and so forth. 
And then you've got the sort of softer indicators, the fluffier stuff around, uh, you know, surveys, what people intend to do, uh, you know, how they're feeling about things, confidence and so forth. So I guess the idea is you put those things together and try and build up a picture of, you know, what sorts of themes and behaviours are playing out in the economy and what it might mean for people. Why are the feelings and emotions of sort of like equal or comparable sort of importance to actual rock solid numbers? Well, oftentimes we get a bit more of a earlier read, I guess, on, on some of the confidence type metrics. So um, the hard data is great. It provides a good kind of historical sense of where we've been, but can take a while to be put together. Uh, the other sorts of metrics come out a little bit earlier. And, and what you tend to see is what people say or businesses say they're going to do or are feeling, uh, they typically follow through on. We've uh, heard of economists using what on the face of it seem pretty strange soft areas, I guess, to gauge a recession. Things like the lipstick index and the men's underwear index. Yeah, so look, credence-wise, I think you have to be a little bit careful. Um, what you're talking about there is is pieces of partial information, which is which is great as long as it's used in that context. You know, so for example, I doubt that the US Federal Reserve is, is throwing out all of its economic models for the lipstick index, um, but it might still have some content that's that's interesting when you put it together with a bunch of other stuff, like I like I mentioned earlier. You know, in terms of why we might be looking at these things, I think there's perhaps a couple of reasons. One is, uh, you know, we are always looking for new indicators in particular that are really timely and kind of as close to real time as possible because that's what people are interested in not you know people aren't really looking back and going well you know what happened three to six months ago they're, they're thinking and planning about the future uh, and, and perhaps the second reason is you know, a lot of those um, indicators you you mentioned are, are perhaps you know a bit more meaningful to people than some of the abstract you know economic indicators like GDP and so forth Mike Jones, thank you so much for your time. We'll speak to you soon. Thanks, guys. Kia ora, I'm Adam Blair. I played the great game of rugby league for the Storm, Tigers, Broncos and the Mighty Warriors. And I'm Goran Paladin, sports presenter and rugby league fanatic. I won a World Cup too. I played 51 tests for New Zealand. Yeah, he's a national treasure, people. Come on. Blairy and I, we're joining forces for a brand new rugby league podcast called League of Our Own. Each week we talk Kiwis across the NRL and of course everything was. All the big names, the big stories. And some of my own stories too. Well, if we can make them fit. We'll make time. Okay. League of Our Own with Blairy and Goran. Debut ep dropping on Wednesday afternoon and every Wednesday after that. You can listen through stuff.co.nz or wherever you get your podcast. Proudly brought to you by Snap Rentals. Mate, your, your stories are way too long, eh? Nah, we've got to take them on a journey. <laughs> oh, the journey. Yeah, of course. It's <laughs> <laughs> the Olympics today, Imogen. Wait, what? I thought that was next year in Paris. Didn't, it also just feels like we just had an Olympics. What are you talking about? It's the Fashion Olympics is what I'm talking oh. about. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. This is where we remember you get paid to speak yeah, about this. Exactly. It's the fashion Olympics. <laughs> um, yes, it is the, the Met Gala today. And as a deeply unfashionable person myself... Say nothing about me, thank you. No, I, it's actually, it says on the scripts, two deeply unfashionable people, but you're actually quite stylish. Um, but for my benefit, largely, we have secured an expert on 
the Meat Gala to help me out, really. Um, you two are tasked with helping me to become more <laughs> fashionable. Um, and it is Stuff Style reporter Tyson Beckett, who is here in the studio. Hello. Hello. So um, what is the Met Gala? It is a fundraising ball, a big, glitzy, glamorous fundraising ball. Um, it raises money for the Metropolitan Museum of Arts Costume Institute. Okay. And it's just a bunch of fancy people dressing up in fancy clothes. When I say fancy, some of them are just absolutely ridiculous. Why do we care? You don't have to care, but if you do, that's really cool. And (laughs) you said the Olympics of fashion. It's the Oscars of fashion. The Oscars, If you care about fashion and what people wear, this is as big as it gets. And there are themes and stuff that go on Mm -hmm. too, right? Like what's the theme this year? So... Like I said, it's a fundraiser, but it is also the opening party for the Metropolitan's fashion exhibition each year. Mm -hmm. So this year, um, it is a retrospective sort of of Karl Lagerfeld, who was the um, Chanel creative director and a longtime fashion director across a lot of fashion brands. And he um, passed away in 2019. Mm -hmm. So there's the exhibition. And then there's also a dress code, which is tied to the exhibition. It is in honour of Karl this year. And the fact that it is in honour of Carl has seen a bit of backlash and when the theme was announced it was seen by some as very controversial. Can you explain why? Um, yes, Carl is sort of uh, very representative of the old guard in fashion. So um, everything that fashion as an industry has sort of been working to move away t- from, especially like post-COVID, um, he sort of represented that. So he was very outspoken He said a lot of things and seemingly held views that were controversial in terms of like he was quite fat phobic, no real diversity, Mm. I guess, to be seen. And um, there wasn't a lot of self-reflection from him Mm. in terms of that either. So some people, um, quite rightly, have decided not to attend this year. Have you got a favourite look of all time? Um, It's the boring answer, but like Rihanna, 2015, in that incredible yellow Gown, oh, no, okay. the gown, the one that like went all the way down the steps. Can't wait to slack you during during the Met Gala, Tyson. Speak to you soon. I'll be live blogging. Tyson Beacon. Thank you so much. Okay, today in things that have the internet angry. Can't wait. What is it? Swearing allegiance to the king. I honestly thought this was a prank when I saw. Did you? I thought it was like fake headlines. Yeah, what? You didn't think that Buckingham Palace would actually be asking people to say this? Well, so for context, everyone listening, during the coronation this weekend, while it's broadcast, people watching at home will be given the opportunity to become part of, quote, a chorus of a million voices (laughs) and say, I swear that I will pay true allegiance to your majesty and to your heirs and successors according to law. So help me God. What? Where did that voice come from? Um, kind of sound a little bit like Dobby the House Elf. I Is was that your going allegiance for, voice? It was my posh British. <laughs> yeah, it didn't work. Could do mm. it again, but, uh, you know, oh, we're on a, no, a time schedule here. Yeah. But yeah, uh, I mean, the it's just the, it's the sort of odd anachronistic phrasing, isn't it? It's the image of this chorus of million voices shouting at their television for me. It's a curious thing, this Pledge of Allegiance um, to the King thing. I will be very interested to see how it goes. As we mentioned at the top, there are a lot of people who are are pretty grumpy about this 
and who are not going to be doing it. Anyway, this Saturday, we're also going to be talking all things coronation because that will be coronation day. So make sure you keep your ears out for that one this weekend. Uh, but that's newsable for today. I'm Imogen Wells. And I'm Emil Donovan. Remember, you can follow us on social media. You can stay up to date on new episodes and behind the scenes content and all things newsable. You can find us on Insta and TikTok. Just search up Newsable NZ. Or you can hit us up directly, uh, newsable at stuff.co.nz. That's our email address. Also, if you enjoyed this episode, give us a follow on your favourite podcast player. Leave us a rating and review. It helps other listeners discover the show and we'd really appreciate it. And we're not going to make you say an allegiance. Or maybe we will. Yeah, you have to recite a poem. If you like this podcast, please support our work. Visit stuff.co.nz slash support. If you don't have time to read the in-depth stories or you just prefer to listen instead, The Long Read From Stuff is the podcast for you. Each week we showcase one of our excellent pieces of journalism, telling important or entertaining stories from the world of crime, sport, history, culture and more. You also get to hear from the journalists themselves about how they uncovered the story and how it came to life. So for your weekly dose of long-form journalism, beautifully read, subscribe to The Long Read From Stuff wherever you get your podcasts.